On first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40, he's at the 30, he's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. Hey, what is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bringing the Juice podcast. I'm your host, Cody Felger. Join me alongside a friend of the show, Mr. Andrew Thomason. Andrew, how are you doing, my friend? Well, it's good to be back, Cody. I'm doing quite well. Um, as we sort of talked about a little bit off off the podcast, I'm a bit busy, just as you are, uh, and many others as well. But I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Yeah, we were talking off air, like we're busy, but we're also enjoying the process and enjoying the journey. It's been a lot of fun. And shout out to Derek, especially this week has been absolutely wild for me. And Derek's been able to do uh, be on a couple different calls with you know GM Chris Ballard and also head coach Frank Reich. So shout out to Derek on that one. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out those. A lot of good stuff from both those guys, uh, both you know, very tremendous leaders for the Colts organization. Uh, but today, um, in lieu of training camp, uh, the you know the team had to report a few days ago on the 28th, um, and I wanted to look today, Andrew, at really our picks for five positional battles that we're going to watch in training camp. Uh, there there might be more position groups that other people might might have, but these are the kind of the five that I think are really going to be the biggest ones, the biggest hot topics that I'm going to be looking for. And I think we're both going to be watching and hearing, I guess, more so this year as opposed to two years before, because obviously we can't go down to training camp. We can't watch these battles take place. Uh, But these will kind of be, these have been kind of hot topics throughout the off season. Um, And so without further ado, I'll start with the first one, probably the most obvious one with, with how much the Colts uh, invested this year into that running attack. It's the running back position, right? Who's going to be the starter week one. Obviously, you have the incumbent Marlon Mack last year, ran for over 1,000 yards, uh, was a pretty good running back. And then you got, obviously, second-round pick this year, Jonathan Taylor. Um, He had over 2,000 yards in two consecutive seasons with Wisconsin. I have over 20 rushing touchdowns this last year. Uh, He's a monster out of the backfield. But, you know, he has some fumbling issues. I believe it was something like 18 fumbles and so many snaps. Um, You know, a little bit alarming in terms of um, holding on to the football. Uh, Andrew, give me your thoughts here on the Colts running back position between these two guys. Uh, Cause you know, Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator has talked about uh, a one, one approach. So maybe not necessarily, it won't maybe affect the playing time, you know, of these guys, but who do you think is going to be, I guess the starter and kind of break down both these guys, uh, if you will. Well, like you, Cody, I think first of all, uh, you mentioned Marlon Mack is, you know, the proven commodity, uh, obviously, of the two, to me, he earns that starting role without question uh, for that reason alone. And then you look at, as you mentioned, the second round pick, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, um, who you also mentioned had fumbling issues. Now, the one thing I will say about that, if you remember back when Naheem Hines, pardon me, was drafted, um, I believe it was in the preseason, he had a lot of fumbling issues or, or he had mm-hmm. multiple times where he fumbled on key possessions during that time. And I think if there's any coaching staff in the league that can help Jonathan Taylor clean up that fumbling issue, it's Indianapolis. And it's for the same reason um, that they helped Naheem Hines. 
And I think because of that, I think Jonathan Taylor has a chance to come in and contribute right away. Um, maybe not within the first, you know, four games. I think Marlon Mack will take most of the load. But who knows? Maybe maybe Taylor comes in and shocks everybody and gets a lot more reps or a lot more carries uh, than we would expect in the early weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder the lack of preseason games, how much that'll impact Taylor's, you know, amount of carries early on. Um, because, you know, he's not, not going to get as much time with Tom Rathman, the running backs coach. Um, so maybe the Colts kind of want to wean him in. Marlon Mack doesn't put the ball on the ground. Maybe they rely on him early. And as they feel more confident in Jonathan Taylor, then eventually they kind of give him more of the load. That's kind of where I think it's going to go, honestly. Um, as talented as Jonathan Taylor is, uh, Marlon Mack has been consistent. He's been a very good running back for the Colts the past couple of years. Um, last year was his best year, so you got to think he's still improving. He's he's grown so much in his game ever since he was drafted. Got to think he's going to continue to improve. He's still a very young player at 24 years old. Uh, so it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting battle to watch. Um, I think the reason why we're talking about this first is because even though it's a battle, I don't think it's going to be like whether or not Marlon Mack is a starter day one. I don't know if that'll really necessarily – impact if Jonathan Taylor sees the field or not. I think the Colts are going to do a good job of getting both these guys on the field, getting both these guys uh, their touches throughout the season. So that's kind of why I I wanted to look at it first. Uh, The next position group that's going to be interesting to watch, and this one for me is like really three positions um, within the wide receiver group. It's basically all the way from two to four. Like we know all these guys are going to make the roster. It's just how does the pecking order, you know, play out in week one? I mean, obviously, you got Michael Pittman, who you drafted this year with your first pick in the second round. Uh, Tremendous receiver out of USC, but he's still a rookie. Uh, We know he doesn't drop the football. You know, we know he's a bigger body for Phillip Rivers, but he still is a rookie, so that has to factor in. Obviously, you got Paris Campbell last year, who was another second-round pick uh, the year before. And, uh, you know, he was injured a lot last year, but he showed flashes when he was healthy. And then, obviously, you got Zach Paschal, who uh, was – the Colts leading receiver last year with all those injuries. And he, he improved his numbers from his first year in Indianapolis to last year where he led the team in receiving yards. So Andrew, break down all three of these guys and how interesting it'll be to watch kind of how this, this goes from who's the second receiver all the way to, to who's number four there. Well, like you could, I think this is another really intriguing battle to keep an eye on moving forward and going into training camp, especially. Uh, to me, Zach Pascal has to be the number two, just simply based off of the way he played last year. As you said, he greatly improved his numbers um, during last season when all the injuries had occurred. Guys like T.Y. Hilton, um, Paris Campbell, and others that went down. Zach Pascal really still stepped up in a big way. And then, as you said, you have Michael Pittman, who is the rookie coming in, the guy that doesn't really drop very many passes. I think he has a chance to as I've mentioned in other podcasts, you'll come onto the scene right away, be a key contributor to this Colts offense. But similar to the Marlon Mack-Jonathan Taylor debate, Zach Pascal is the proven commodity, and I think he gets the look at number two. And Zach, and, and I'm sorry, the number three is somewhere uh, between Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. Now, that's not to say that Michael Pittman will play in the slot, obviously because of his size. I don't really see that happening very often. But just in terms of roster positioning, I think Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, given Campbell's injury history, are going to be battling it out for that three spot. Yeah, and the beauty of kind of what the Colts do on offense is 
similar to the running back position, all these guys are going to get involved. I don't, I don't know if it necessarily means that one guy's going to get more snaps than the other. I, I think all these guys are going to get chances to get the football in their hands and, and make plays. And so I think that's the beauty of Frank Reich's offense, the beauty of having Phillip Rivers at quarterback, because you really get to get everybody gets their, their share of possessions and share of catches, share of touches, what have you. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting. And also, you know, with that, after them, who's going to be the number five and number six? If the Colts keep number six receivers, um, you got a few guys in there. Marcus Johnson last year, um, he's been with the Colts a couple of years now. He was with Frank Reich in Philadelphia, so he kind of understands that system pretty well. And he had some pretty nice games last year when the injury bug hit. Um, and also, you know, you got Reese Fountain, who's coming back off an injury. He had a strong preseason uh, before he went and got injured last year. And you got some other guys, Desmond Patman, uh, Ashton Doolin, and there's some other guys in there that that'll kind of battle it out there for that number five and number six wide receiver position. Um, Andrew, out of all those guys, who would you give the nod to right now? If you had to go week one, who would you give the nod to at number five? On number five for me, Cody, would have to be Marcus Johnson. As you mentioned, he stepped up in a big way when the injury bug hit last season to a lot of the Colts receivers. Uh, one game that stands out in particular is the game in Tampa where I think he caught two or three deep passes. One was before halftime that gave the Colts a field goal, and the other one was that deep touchdown pass. And really that was one of the only deep passes um, that Percet I think, had attempted all season long with the side from the, from the point here. But I think Marcus Johnson has a chance to earn that number five spot out of all of the guys that you had mentioned. See, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I think, especially with the lack of preseason um, and, and the lack of some of these young guy getting, guys getting reps, it makes sense for me to get a guy that's more proven in the league. I mean, he's not that old. He hasn't been in the league that long. But I feel like out of any of these guys, he's got the most meaningful playing time. Um, he's actually, you know, been in games one and also, you know, had a few games where he's had some pretty solid numbers. So I agree. I think Marcus Johnson at five. And then probably number six, if the Colts do indeed keep number six, uh, probably will give that that nod to Reese Fountain. I think he's the guy out of any of these guys that's probably the most ready uh, to do that. And, you know, obviously there's questions with the injuries. But, uh, you know, I think for the sake of this argument, we'll just roll with five at this point. But at six, I'd probably go Reese Fountain if they do indeed keep six. All right, we can move on to another position. This was a position last year that was heavily debated um, all throughout training camp. It was a battle for that Mike middle linebacker position. Uh, the battle between Anthony Walker and Bobby Okariki. Obviously, Walker uh, won the battle this last year. Okariki slammed, uh, slid over to Sam. Uh, I guess the question will be not so much wh- which guy will play and which guy will not, but which position will which guy play. I mean, Bobby Okariki, I think, has more you know physical tools. He's more gifted in a lot of ways. Uh, the Colts think he can be a Pro Bowl-type player, but Anthony Walker, obviously – is the leader of that linebacker position. Um, he gets everybody in position. Uh, but he, you know, he, I feel like his skill set is more set for the, what kind of how the Colts have used the Sam linebacker in the past, you know, more of a run stopping linebacker. Uh, but Anthony Walker is very valuable on the field, not just for the production he gives you, but also just for the leadership that he provides. Andrew, give me your thoughts on the, uh, this linebacker position, how you think it'll shake out this year going forward. Well, I certainly think it's going to be interesting to watch. As you mentioned last year, it was certainly uh, an interesting battle that Anthony Walker ultimately ended up uh, winning out, if you will, in terms of earning that Mike linebacker position. I think when you consider how well or how high, I should say, the Colts are on Bobby Okereke, 
uh, compared to Anthony Walker's leadership and just astounding tackling ability. I think that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, the way that he, as you said, sort of brings that linebacking group together. To me, I think it's going to look real similar to last year. I think Anthony Walker is going to earn that Mike, line, Mike linebacker position, pardon me, and then Bobby Okariki will slide over to that Sam um, linebacking position, even though, as you mentioned, Okariki's physical traits are maybe more suited for the Mike linebacker position. I think it's going to be within the team's best interest that Walker stays at Mike, Okariki slides to Sam, and then you have Darius Leonard on the other side. Yeah, and Darius Leonard has been very vocal. He wants Anthony Walker back after his contract's up this year. Um, he said, you know, Anthony Walker helped him so much in his rookie year and has helped him as along his journey, obviously, to being an all-pro now. So he's very valuable to this Colts linebacker group and, and obviously very valuable to the best Colts linebacker, Darius Leonard. All right, let's move on to another position of interest, uh, the starting defensive end position beside Justin Houston. Now, last year, that was primarily occupied by Jabal Sheard. The Colts elected to not bring back Sheard this year, opening the door for a lot of guys to challenge for this position. I mean, I think about all these guys that could potentially challenge for this position. There's a lot of them. You think, obviously, Ben Banigou, second-round pick this last year. You could throw in Kamoko Turi, even though I think he's more of a you know pass rusher only. Uh, pass rushing specialist, so I don't know if he has a legitimate shot at kind of filling that role. You know, Sheard's role was more of a run-stopping type of defensive end. Uh, you know, you throw in uh, – let me think, you throw in Al-Kadim Muhammad, another guy uh, that's not really talked about, but he's been a solid contributor to the Colts' defensive end position. Um, you throw in even some of those guys who played the three technique but have also played some defensive end, Danico Watry, Tyquan Lewis. So there's really a lot of guys that could vie for this – uh, starting defensive end spot. I don't really know uh, where I stand right now. Obviously, I would like to see Ben Banigou probably take it, considering where he was taken by the Colts. But really, wh whoever the best player is at this point, I'm kind of down for whoever the Colts think has the best chance to help them win. Now, there may be different situations where different players are rotated in and out, and we've seen that before. Uh, Andrew, give me your thoughts on this Colts defensive end position and, and kind of what you're looking for. Uh, for whoever you think is going to be, you know, ultimately the winner of that uh, p position alongside uh, Justin Houston. Yeah, for me, Cody, to me, it's got to be Kamoko Ture. I mean, I know you said he's not really much of a of a run stopper. I think that he can potentially improve that that quality over time, or improve and um, become uh, both a run stopper and a pass rusher, both. But to me, the flashes last year were just were just too were too large. I mean, that's 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 the simplest way I can, as I can put it. I mean, Kamoko Ture, in my opinion, has star written all over him. And as you said, there could be a situation where the Colts, you know, change defensive ends uh, depending on the down. You know, Kamoko Ture maybe on just third downs, and then Ben Banigou on first and second down. And it's ultimately going to be up to them, uh, as in the players, to determine who wins that starting role. But if I if I were in the Colts' shoes, to me, it's it's got to be Kamoko Ture. If he can come in and prove that he's healthy and show those same flashes during training camp that he showed during this past season within the first few weeks uh, before suffering that season-ending injury in Kansas City, without a shot of a doubt to me, it's come up with her, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the Colts are going to probably use some packages where they have uh, you know, a little bit of a bigger defensive lineman, if you will, on those first and second downs. And then maybe, you know, bring in Kamoko Turi on the third third downs, obviously where he thrives in getting after the quarterback. 
Um, but yeah, they have a lot of a lot of guys that could go for this position. So honestly, I don't know who's going to win this position. I think a lot of guys have showed flashes. Nobody has fully put it together yet. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out uh, here in 2020. Uh, another position that we can look at here. Um, this is one that's kind of been debated. Obviously, uh, the Colts were kind of on record uh, recently. Uh, they didn't directly say it, but basically saying, you know, that starting kicker position is between two guys and Adam Vinatieri, uh, the, the longtime veteran for the Colts, he was not mentioned. So you, one can assume that Adam Vinatieri is moving on, whether that be with another team or whether that be into retirement, uh, it's, it's yet to be seen. But uh, the kicker position, the starting kicker position will be between two guys. Uh, the first guy last year, Chase, uh, Chase McLaughlin, he came in late last season, played really, really well, all things considered. He didn't miss an f- extra point. Um, he missed only one field goal the entire year, and that was over 50 yards. Uh, he was very good for the Colts last year. He's still a young kicker as well. He was a rookie last year, played in a couple of different teams. Um, the Colts obviously re-signed him for another year, so uh, they believe that he can potentially be their kicker of the future. And then obviously they bring in uh, undrafted free agent uh, kicker from Georgia, Rodrigo Blankenship. And, you know, I would say I would argue that Blankenship probably has a bigger leg at this point, but – we know similar to arm strength with a quarterback, big, you know, big leg ability doesn't necessarily mean you're the best kicker in the league. Uh, Andrew, give me your thoughts on this kicker position between these two guys and uh, kind of what you're looking for and who do you expect to be the, the day one kicker for the Colts in 2020? For me, Cody, I think the, the kicker in day one has to be Chase McLaughlin. As you said, given the circumstances that he played under last year, having to fill the shoes of Adam Vinatieri, which is certainly no easy task, um, he played exceedingly well. And I think when you bring in a guy like Rodrigo Blankenship, uh, pardon me if I mispronounced his name. I think you got it. You're good. Um, but, I mean, yeah, McLaughlin, like I said, given everything, as you mentioned, that he went through, uh, Blankenship is a rookie. As you said, he's got a pretty big leg. As you mentioned, just because you have a big leg doesn't mean you're exactly accurate. I look at a kicker the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafted, I believe, in early rounds, a few years ago in the draft. Yeah. Um, Robert Aguayo, I believe is his name. And yeah. he had a really, really big leg that was just horribly accurate. And that ultimately ended up uh, getting him cut. But it'll be an interesting battle to watch for going into training camp. But for me, as I, as I mentioned uh, several times now, it, to me, it's got to be Chase McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess I want to throw in some honorable mentions before we end this podcast. <laughs> I don't know how much of a competition you call it, but you know Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have called it a competition, so I guess it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, the third quarterback position, uh, Chad Kelly versus uh, Jacob Eason. I mean, obviously we think Eason's going to win that, but you just never know in this league. Uh, obviously you hope Eason wins that pretty easily, but that'll be an interesting battle to watch. Uh, also, potentially, you know, that that starting corner position alongside Rocky Sin. Obviously, the Colts brought in Xavier Rhodes. They believe he can be the player or at least close to the player he was a few years ago when he was first team all pro. But, you know, a wild card for me is a guy like Marvell Tell. I mean, he played very, very well, all things considered, last year. Um, co- converting from a free safety to a corner. I thought all things considered, he played really well. And he could potentially vie, especially if Xavier Rhodes struggles like he did last year, if he's injured like he was these past couple of years. I think, honestly, Marvell Tell could challenge for a starting corner spot this year. Uh, Andrew, are there any other positions or maybe some of the position battles that I just talked about uh, that, that interest you going forward here into Colts training camp this year? 
Well, I certainly think the ones that you mentioned, Cody, uh, are worth noting as well. Uh, as you mentioned, that cornerback spot aside or beside Rocky Sin, Xavier Rhodes, we certainly hope that he can return to his all-pro form with, from when he was in Minnesota. Uh, Marvell Tell, I agree with you, I think is, is sort of um, an underdog, if you will. Maybe yeah. that's not the right word for it. But no, he certainly played exceedingly well, um, as you said, given given the circumstances as a rookie. Converting from safety to corner I don't think is as easy as, as some people may think it is. And for him to come in and play as well as he did is extremely impressive. One play that stands out in particular was that fumble he caused in Pittsburgh. I think it was later in the game, and it ended up, I believe, resulting in a Colts touchdown, if I remember correctly. But anyway, he played very, very well. Uh, and then another battle that honestly stands out to me, Cody, is it'll be interesting to see who they put alongside DeForest Buckner at that second yeah. nose tackle spot. I mean, obviously we assume Grover Stewart to um, have that position or take over with that position. But, I mean, guys like Danico Autry have proven themselves with the year that he had a couple of years ago. And Taekwon Lewis, I think he's got a little bit more to prove than maybe some of those other guys, but he may come on and surprise a lot of people. So, I don't think I don't think the Colts are just ready to give that to to Grover Stewart just yet. And I, yeah. I also forgot to mention Sheldon Day, the right. Notre Dame problem, mm-hmm. uh, the former um, Warren Central Warrior, I believe. Yeah. That um, they they signed during the offseason. I think he's got uh, a chance to come in and potentially earn that spot as well. So th- those are some battles that that I'm intrigued to see too. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of battles. Uh, you know, some that we didn't even mention that might start you know arising. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, how do the, some of these positions uh, shape up? And, you know, when the Colts kick off in week one, who are the starters? That'll certainly be interesting. I'm certainly excited to hear about all these guys, how they perform well, because there's a lot of guys um, who really it's their last shot on this roster. So I, I definitely want to see some of these guys step up. Uh, we've, we've mentioned different guys that we think need to step up. Obviously, guys that have been signed on Prove It Years need to step up, but there's also some other guys who haven't necessarily lived up to their draft billing up to this point that need to step up and have a really good camp this year to have a chance to contribute to this roster here in 2020. All right, that does it for this podcast, guys. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on and talking Colts football, talking training camp. It'll be interesting to watch and hear about all the different position battles this year. Let us know in the comments uh, your position battles that you're interested in watching, uh, and be sure to also like and subscribe if you haven't yet. But for Andrew and myself, thank you guys so much. And as always, go Colts.